Hey, good morning, good morning. On this Sunday morning, I hope you guys are doing awesome. And I hope good things are going on for you in your life and God is performing amazing miracles through you and in you as we continue to invite God to step into our life and do something miraculous. Uh, that is what we want because we know that when God steps into any situation, we invite God in, we cry out to God. Sometimes that takes weeks and months and maybe even years, but when God decides it's time, God will act, miracles will happen, and you will be amazed. Just be patient and wait. But when he steps in, power comes, peace comes, strength comes, like understanding comes, wisdom comes. We see things that we don't normally see when God opens our eyes to situations around us. And so we need God to step into our life. We need God to continually be involved in our life. We need to continually say, God, we need you. We want you. And not wander away from God. When God steps in, truly miracles happen. Sometimes we ask God to step in, these miracles happen. And other times God just works through his people and he just shows up for us and on our behalf in miraculous ways like he did uh, to the disciples out on the lake when he came walking on the water and God performed yet another miracle and wowed the disciples, showing them his power and his ability. I'm excited about today because um, we're going to talk about those guys, those, those, those disciples, those early disciples today, and, and take a good look at, at each of them, a kind of a, a brief look at into each of their lives and things that they did. And I hope that it will be an encouragement to us because what we see in their life is that when God steps in to just ordinary people's lives like the disciples, impossible things become very possible. We, we've looked at a number of uh, times that God has stepped into people's lives, into creation, and, and uh, Noah, and Abraham, and Isaac, and Moses, and Joshua, and the prophets, and the years of silence. And last week we talked about when God stepped into John the Baptist's life, and what happened, and how God worked in a powerful, powerful ways in each and every one of these circumstances, and so many more. Uh, God just is a God of miracles. And over and over and over again, he shows us what he's capable of. So God, forgive us when we doubt you, when we, when we act as if you are unable to do impossible things, when, when our faith is weak and shallow. And, and God, we just pray that you would help us to have eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart full of faith, God, in you. Because you've done it before and you will do it Again, and so we're going to talk about these early disciples, these guys that Jesus kind of handpicked to be followers of his and walked with him for several years as they learned from Jesus and, and heard the, the teachings from heaven, these nuggets of truth that we have many of that uh, in our Bible today to be able to learn some of the same stuff that they were learning from Jesus, yeah, they were getting it right from his mouth, firsthand experiences with God, God's only son, Jesus. But we have the word of God written on scripture that, that we can know the heart and the mind of God. Well, the prophet, like Elijah, had come 
Okay, we get back to the beginning of the New Testament. Okay, the 400 years of silence, the prophet Elijah that was foretold would come, one like Elijah had come, and his name was John the Baptist. And the announcement and the proclamation of Jesus the Messiah was here. Prepare the way for the Lord, for the coming of the Lord. And Jesus, the Son of God, now is going to kick off his ministry. And the first thing that Jesus is going to do, he's going to call some disciples to follow him. A number of things happen from his birth and his childhood, his boyhood. And then, you know, he, he escapes to Egypt where he's protected. John lives out in the wilderness. We touched on that last week. And now their ministries, John's and Jesus's, are, are kicking off. And John came onto the scene, and we talked about John last week. And Jesus now comes into the public eye, into view. And he's going to call some disciples, some followers, to come and follow him. And these followers would become disciples. And that word means students or a pupil. Somebody that would say, hey, I want to learn from this rabbi or from this teacher. And their goal as a young Jewish boy was not to, to, to work in the carpentry trade or or work as a fisherman or some other uh, line of work. The highest calling for a little Jewish boy would be that a rabbi would come through their village one day and see this young boy and say to them, come follow me. And when if that ever happened for a young boy, the parents would be overjoyed that a rabbi would invite their son to come and follow him and learn from the ways of a rabbi in the Jewish traditions and in the word of God and in the Old Testament and the prophets uh, teaching. And so that was a great honor to be called by a rabbi to come follow me. And so Jesus is going to call some followers to come and be disciples and students. And then eventually these early disciples, 12 of them anyway, are going to become apostles which is an even greater calling than a disciple. They go from learners or pupils, students, to now ones that are sent into the world to go and do the same thing that Jesus was doing. And so what a great honor that would be for them to become an apostle. These, these men would take the message of the Messiah to the next level of God's ongoing work of redemption. Jesus came to save the world. He's going to pass the baton on to these apostles and they're going to spread out and take the message to the world and it's going to continue to move on and on and on as the baton of faith is passed from Jesus to the apostles to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation and all the way to you and I. Now we have the baton of faith the same message and mission of Jesus passed to the apostles has now been passed to me and been passed to you. And it is our honor and our responsibility to make sure that we tell everyone that we possibly can. And we pass this message to the next generation so that this, the gospel continues to move through each generation that the world might have hope and find salvation in Christ. But for now... These disciples, as they come to learn to follow Jesus, they're going to they're gonna grow and they're going to gain in confidence as they watch Jesus, as they listen to Jesus, and as they follow Jesus. And they're going to prepare 
to take the mission of Jesus to the world. That's what they're going to do as Jesus begins to invite them to walk with him on the earth and learn from him. And he's preparing them now. He's going to prepare them for what's to come in their ministry when he leaves. And I like this picture a lot. You know, there's lots of, uh, lots of photos of what the disciples might have looked like. A lot of them are very like, you know, they're, they're very kind of uh, stained glass window-ish. But this one to me is a very realistic picture of probably a good look at what it looked like for uh, these early disciples walking with Jesus down these dirt roads with sandals on their feet as they just listened to Jesus talk and share like, like the word from heaven, the, the, the mind and the heart of God the Father through Jesus as he taught them all kinds of principles and truths about the kingdom of God and what it means to be a disciple and what it means to be truly the human being that God has called us to be. Why he created us and what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. How we're supposed to treat people. How we're supposed to live. Our attitudes toward different topics in, in life. Real topics in life. And these guys are going to have the opportunity to listen and to learn from Jesus. So let's begin by meeting some of them today. And we're going to move on next week and learn about some others. And we're going to see how quickly as we learn about these guys, we're going to see how quickly we can identify with them as followers. There's nothing, there is nothing all that grand about these people other than Jesus called them to follow him. Other than that, they are just ordinary people living ordinary lives, putting their cloaks on one arm at a time and putting their sandals on one foot at a time and just living normal lives, trying to make it through this world. And you and I have a lot in common with these 12 men. It's an amazing thing that we're going to see. And, and know that with our strengths and with our weaknesses, because they had both as well, God can use us. Just like God is able to use them, God is able to use us. And so we're going to take a closer look. And I hope what this is going to do is encourage you and me in our own walk with God that God can do something unique with us. God can do something miraculous with us if we'll just walk with him and trust him and put our faith in him and just rely on the fact that God knows what's going on all the time. And it's in his timing that he will do what he wants done. Our job is just, just cling to him, cling to Jesus trust Jesus, seek him with everything in us. And so John chapter one, we're going to be introduced to Peter and Andrew. Here's what happens. The next day, John was there again. This is John the Baptist with two of his disciples. So John the Baptist is out there, you know, baptizing at the Jordan River, and he's out there with two disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And so Jesus and John's ministries at the very beginning are going to connect. 
And, and John sees Jesus and John says to the disciples that are with John, his disciples, he says, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they went and followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Isn't that crazy? They're, they're, they, John has been telling them, one's going to come greater than I. There he is now, the Lamb of God. And so these disciples go and follow Jesus. And Jesus turns around and goes like, what are you guys doing? Like, what, what do you want? And then they say to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come and you will see. And so they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. Isn't this just so like natural? It's just so normal. It's just so, so like, like people just learn. A connection is, is, uh, is, is, comes about and now life is just going to like unfold and this relationship is going to begin right here with John and his disciples and Jesus walking by and now they're gonna follow Jesus and they spent that day with Jesus. It was about four in the afternoon, verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who, who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So Andrew's one of them. The first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon, who is Peter, and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is Christ. And he brought Peter or Simon to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated means Peter. And so there's this awesome encounter that Jesus has with John and the disciples that begin to follow him. And one of these early followers or early disciples name is Peter. Simon or Cephas is his name. He is a native of Bethsaida in Galilee. And, and one of the interesting things about all of the disciples except for one is that they all live up there around Galilee. Like you got, you got the little, uh, you know, wiener of the uh, hot dog shape, uh, Dead Sea, then you got the Jordan River going up north and the Sea of Galilee looks like a pear. And most of the apostles, all of them but one, uh, live up there at the top of Galilee or around that area near Capernaum in Bethsaida. And they're all from the same area. And so the first one is Peter and uh, he's a native of this area. He's a fisherman. His dad's name is John and their home is in Capernaum, right there at the top of the Sea of Galilee. Peter, Peter, here's Peter. Uh, we had uh, our photographer go back in time. And so all the photos that we're gonna see are uh, legit photos of Peter here, in this case, posing for his photo uh, that he allowed us to use. Just kidding. So Peter, he goes on to become, Peter goes on to become one of the key leaders of all the apostles and of the, the church as we know it and, and the, the, the next step in the mission of what Jesus is doing through his apostles. Peter is a big dog. Peter is married. He is uh, an extreme kind of guy, Peter is. Peter has highs that are high and lows that are lows. Remember, Peter is the one who said, he said to Jesus, I will die with you, Jesus. I will die with you. And then that very night, he denies that he even knew Jesus three times. A real high 
and a real low. Uh, another uh, instance, one minute Peter is walking on water because of his trust in Jesus, and the next minute he is sinking in his doubt. That's the kind of pe uh, person that Peter is. A great guy, an awesome guy, full of courage, but very passionate, very emotional. Highs are highs, lows are lows. He's included in Jesus's inner circle of friends. He's got the 12 that we're talking about, but then he has those three, Peter, James, and John, that are gonna go with him in places that other people don't go. He's gonna witness, Peter's gonna witness the transfiguration, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. He's going to preach the first sermon. He's gonna raise the dead. He's gonna do many miracles in his ministry. He's gonna be uh, let out of jail. He's gonna escape prison. He's gonna chop off the air uh, of Amelchus, and he's gonna write a number of New Testament books in his ministry, Peter, Peter. An amazing apostle of Jesus, Peter. Peter, one of the greatest. Uh, when it comes to apostles, if you ask somebody to say, name an apostle, they're probably gonna get Peter right because Peter is one of the more famous apostles. Also, Peter has a brother and his name is Andrew. So Andrew lives in the shadow of his more outspoken brother, Peter. He's, uh, Andrew is the first, one of the first ones called by Jesus. And, and it's Andrew is the one of the two that left John the Baptist when John said, look, the Lamb of God. It was Andrew who left him and then went and got his brother, Peter. And so Andrew's one of the first followers of Jesus. He's the one who led his brother to meet Jesus, Peter. And he, uh, Andrew is one that helped bring the Greeks, uh, when the Greeks wanted to meet Jesus later on in the, in, in the book of Acts, it's, it's uh, Andrew who arranges this meeting between some of the Greeks and Jesus to meet with him. His name uh, comes from the name Andreas, which means a man, and it means courage. It literally means, his, his name literally, literally means manly. Andrew is manly. <laughs> uh, not sure what that does for you, but that's kind of interesting, manly. Peter and Andrew. John chapter 1, verse 43. The story continues. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida, up there at the top of Galilee. Philip found Nathanael, and he told him, We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. Come and see, said Philip. Sorry. Uh, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open 
and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. How incredible is that? And so what we have here is this meaning of Philip. Not all of the 12 are recorded. Their, their first engagement with Jesus is not recorded in the Bible. Not all of them. Only these first few do we have these early encounters with Jesus. And only a handful of them are actually recorded in the scripture. Some of the other ones, we know they're apostles because they're listed in, in the list of apostles when Jesus called the 12 and named them. They're there. But we don't have these early encounters. But this one we do. Philip. Philip is from Bethsaida in Galilee. Again, he's one of the first to be called by uh, Jesus, Andrew, and Philip. It was Philip that Jesus said, remember later on, Jesus said, you know, about the 5,000, where, where shall we buy food for all these people to eat? Jesus asked Philip when we had all these thousands of people. And it was Philip who said it would take a half of year's wages to buy food to even feed these people. Now this Philip is different from the Philip that we read about in the book of Acts uh, in a number of chapters. Uh, Philip the evangelist is not this Philip the apostle. Two different Philips. That Philip met the Ethiopian eunuch, remember, on the road. That Philip lived in Caesarea and had four daughters who prophesied. That's a different Philip, not this Philip. This Philip, just like Andrew, months went once he met Jesus, the first thing he does, does is he goes out and he tells other people about Jesus. That is one of the greatest qualities about Andrew and Philip is that when they met Jesus, they went out and they told others about Jesus as well. In John chapter 12, again, those Greeks that wanted to meet Jesus, Philip and Andrew talked with them and they made that encounter with Jesus happen. So they were concerned about the Greeks that wanted to know about Jesus and talk to Jesus. And they made that engagement, that encounter happen. Philip went and he went and got his buddy Nathaniel, one of his good friends. And he said, we have found the one that Moses wrote about. And so Philip, Philip, is an evangelist, different from Acts evangelist, but this Philip not only wants to know Jesus, but he wants others to know Jesus as well. And there's not a lot about this Philip in the scripture, but those qualities of Philip are there very much. He goes and he gets his friend. That's, a, that's one of the coolest things that we see in the scripture with these early uh, apostles or disciples is that when they came to know Jesus, they wanted their friends to come to know Jesus. How incredibly cool would that be? Like if you went out and told your friends about the one that you have found that is the Son of God. That's exactly what God wants us to do, isn't it? So he, he goes out and he finds Nathaniel. Nathaniel's name also is Bartholomew. So Bartholomew and Nathaniel are the same person. The name means God has given. That's what his name means. He too is from Galilee, but from Cana, where Jesus turned the water into wine. He's from uh, that part of Cana or that part of Galilee. And uh, this Nathaniel 
is a very skeptical person at first. Uh, if you remember, uh, he, he said, uh, Nazareth, when, when, um, when Philip said, hey, we have found the one Moses wrote about uh, from Nazareth, he said, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? And so he comes and he meets Jesus, and Jesus says to him, as he's approaching, Jesus says, look, a true Israelite, a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit, there is nothing false in him. Jesus is saying about Nathaniel, here is a man of truth. Now that's quite the compliment coming from Jesus, right? Could you imagine if Jesus appeared to you and he said this about you? Look at, there is a true believer in God. Uh, a, a one in whom there is no deceit. You know, could God even say that about us? About me and about you? That we are people who are men and women of truth. I hope we are becoming more and more of that so that God could say that about us. But that's what God says about Nathaniel. And Nathaniel says to Jesus, how do you know me? Like, I've never met you before. How do you know me? And remember Jesus said, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip came and got you and brought you over here, I saw you while you were under the fig tree. And when Jesus said that, that changed everything for Nathaniel. He was no longer skeptical. Now, we don't know what that means, I saw you under the fig tree, or what he was doing under the fig tree. And there's some speculation of what he may have been doing under the fig tree. You could let your mind kind of go wild, I guess, there. Maybe he was like shooting dice with the boys under the fig tree. And now it's like, uh-oh, busted. Uh, probably not. Maybe he was uh, had his phone out and he was looking at some sketchy websites under the fig tree. Probably not. Here's the, here's the incredible thing about this. Jesus says, I saw you while you were under the fig tree. Jesus knows all about Nathaniel. In fact, Jesus knows and sees the secrets of our heart. He knows what you are doing under the fig tree or wherever it is that you are. He knows what you are doing. Probably not having a beer with the boys under the fig tree, probably what Nathaniel is doing under the fig tree based on his spiritual level of maturity or what it seems to be in this short encounter with Nathaniel, he's probably praying to God about the coming Messiah and the redemption of Israel under that fig tree. And Jesus maybe appeared to him or Jesus saw him there, or Jesus knows what he's doing, and now Phil, or Nathaniel realizes that he was not alone under that fig tree, and whatever happened there, we don't know, it impressed in his heart that Jesus, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing and was now the one to answer that prayer. And so Nathaniel realizes that Jesus is the one he'd been praying for pouring out his heart in prayer and meditation to God, looking for God's Christ to soon come, 
Maybe he knew about John the Baptist and he knew that John was a forerunner to the Messiah and that that had to be close. The time had to be very close. And now here's Jesus. And he reveals that he knows Nathaniel before Nathaniel ever knew him. And Nathaniel, like, he's not skeptical anymore. Nathaniel knows, here's the thing about this, Nathaniel knows the one that Moses spoke about because, because Philip said, this is the one. We have found the one that Moses wrote about. And Nathaniel knew about Moses' writing and he knew about the one that Moses wrote about. He identifies Jesus. Nathaniel identifies Jesus as the son of God, the king of Israel. That's what he says to him. Now we know that you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And so Nathaniel is very well versed in scripture. He knows his scripture. He knows the prophets. He knows the Old Testament. And he knows he's waiting for God to send his son. He's probably praying and crying out for it. And now here he is. Like who would have ever thought that would happen? He probably never dreamed in his lifetime that he would actually see the Messiah. But here he is, and there's Nathaniel. And as a, as a result of his faith and his obedience and his truthful living, Jesus says to him, you will see even greater things than that. In fact, you will see the Son of Man ascend and descend on the earth. God is going to show you, Nathaniel, great and amazing things. And so these four, Andrew and Peter, Philip and Nathaniel, have this early encounter with Jesus. They're some of the first ones that he calls. He calls them out, but he doesn't call them to follow him just yet. And that's the interesting thing about the early part of the Gospels and the encounters with these early disciples, not all of them, but some of them. There's a number of encounters and there's some interaction and relationship building going on, but Jesus doesn't call them to follow him yet. This early encounter happens right after, remember, John is baptizing in the Jordan. Jesus comes onto the scene. Jesus is then tempted in the wilderness for like 40 days and 40 nights, and then Jesus begins his public ministry, and he meets these four guys in these ways that we just kind of went over. Then there's some other events that are going to happen. Jesus goes to Cana and he turns water into wine. He's going to cleanse the temple the first time. He's going to meet with Nicodemus in John 3. He's going to meet with the Samaritan woman in John 4. And, and there's some other events that are going to happen. And then there's this like first call of these disciples, these four disciples. So check this out. It's the first call of the four disciples, Matthew 4 and Mark 1. Let me just read the Matthew 1. Walking by the Sea of Galilee, remember this is later. We've already met Philip, Andrew, Peter, and, um, and Nathaniel. Now we met these guys, and now Jesus is going to come into, their, uh, into connection with them again. And walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother casting an net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, 
his brother in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them and they immediately left the boat and their father and they followed Jesus. And so, so now we're introduced to two more, James and John. Okay, we got Peter and Andrew. We got Philip and Nathaniel. And now we got James and John. Two more early disciples that have this early encounter with Jesus. And they're just, they're just hanging with their dad, right? They're hanging with their father. Their father's name is Zebedee. Their mother's name is Salome. And again, they're fishermen up in the Sea of Galilee. And that for a second, got to take a second. If you love the fish, could you just imagine fishing in the Sea of Galilee? How cool would that be? I mean, to me, that would be an amazing opportunity to go fishing in the Sea of Galilee. But that's what these guys did every day. This was their career. This was their job. Now, their dad had some wealth. He had to have some money because dad employed other, other fishermen like to work with them. So there was a crew of fishermen and dad paid them to be fishermen on his boat. Okay, there seems to be a fishing partnership with Peter's family as well. And so James and John, Peter and Andrew, maybe it's their parents, Zebedee and Peter and, and uh, Andrew's dad, they have this fishing thing going on and now these boys are working for them. How incredibly cool is that that's just insane like like there's dad peter and andrew's dad and J james and john's dad and they have this commercial fishing operation going on and now their boys are old enough and they're working in this fishing you know uh business with them learning to be good fishermen professional fishermen and they they have this thing going on and so we meet these two brothers and the first one's name uh, well, James and John, but the first one we're going to talk about for a second is James. He is, he is called James the Greater because there's another James that's going to be an apostle. He's going to be called James the Lesser. This James probably the Greater because he's a little more involved in the ministry and the other one is a little more obscure in, in, in the, as far as scripture written about him and things that he's involved in. This James the Greater is the elder brother. He's James and John. Usually they name him older and then the younger one. And so he's part, James and John are both part of Jesus's inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And uh, which means that they're pre present at the transfiguration and they're present with Jesus when he, in the garden, when he goes a little further, he takes them with him. And there's a few other times that Jesus uh, has his inner circle of group that he meets with uh, away from the others. And, um, and James is part of that. James is going to be the first apostle to die. And it's recorded in the book of Acts 12, Acts chapter 12, at the hand of Herod. And so we have his death in the scripture early in, in the writings of the, of the word of God. The others die later on and we have some traditions on how they died. But this one of James is recorded in the scripture. James's brother's name is John. And like Peter, John is going to become a big deal. Peter and John are key apostles in the life and the ministry of Jesus. John is also a part of the inner circle. He writes a number of books. He is the disciple. We read about this, whom Jesus loved, the beloved one. John is the beloved one. John is going to be charged by Jesus, remember, to take care of his mother, Mary. 
Jesus tells John, John, take care of her. Okay. And uh, John later on is exiled on the island of Patmos where he does lots of his writing. And he's the last, it seems to be that John of the Gospels is the last writer to write because John's Gospel is a little different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke in that John fills in a lot of things that they don't talk about. These three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, kind of hit on stories that are very similar and we can compare those. But John, the fourth gospel, John, I think, is able to see what they wrote, and he writes about things that they don't touch on. So we have a bigger picture of the gospels of the life of Jesus because of John's gospel. James and John, these two guys, they are the ones that earn the name Sons of Thunder. Sons of Thunder because they were somewhat brash, and they were fiery with passion, and they were the ones when the Samaritan village uh, wasn't accepting the message, they wanted to call down like fire and brimstone and, and just consume them all. And Jesus said, no, whoa, boys, whoa, 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 easy does it. And uh, so they earned the name Sons of Thunder. And there's then a second call of these guys that I wanna kinda close with today. So we have like the early calling and talking and meeting with the early, these early disciples. And then we have a kind of a first call where Jesus invites them to follow him. And then there's another call, a second call early in the Gospels. Luke chapter 5 records it. And it goes like this. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Isn't that cool? Here we are, a lot of people. We're at the Sea of Galilee. There's some boats. Jesus is going to have Simon push his boat out off the shore a little bit so he can talk to the people. And he teaches them from the boat. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Jesus is probably thinking, look, we've got all these people. We're going to feed them now. And we're going to feed them not bologna and not peanut butter and jelly or some stagnant food. We're going to feed them fresh fish. And in the midst and the vision of all these people, he tells Simon, Simon, let's go out into the deep, drop the nets. Now check this out. Simon, Peter, little skeptical Peter, says, Master, look, I'm the pro here. I'm the pro fisherman. I won all the bass tournaments. Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. Now, if you've gone fishing, there are days where that happens, right? You go out there and they're not biting and you're like, it's too hot. The water's too still. Uh, they're not hungry. It's the wrong time of the day. All kinds of reasons why the fish didn't bite that day. Peter, uh, Peter says, he says, we worked hard all night. We haven't caught a thing. There's nothing biting today. Trust me, I'm a pro. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Peter's got, you know, all this self I know going on, right? Maybe like a lot of us, but in there somewhere is a slight bit of, 
well, maybe I better listen to God anyway. You know, I'll just do what he says anyway, because maybe, maybe something crazy might happen. That sliver of faith sometimes is all you need. It would be nice if Peter would have said, oh yeah, man, yes, Jesus, you say let down the nets, let's go do that. Because I know if you say it, it's going to happen. But most of the time, we're not like that. It would be nice if we were like, God said, trust him. Yeah, I'm trusting God. Everything's going to be awesome. He's going to do exactly what needs to be done. But most of the time, we're not that way. We're more skeptical than we are faithful. Here, Peter is very skeptical, very little faith. But in that little bit of sliver of faith, he's going to do it. He said, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, that's all Peter needed. It's a good thing Peter didn't get so hard-headed that he said, no, Lord, we can't do this. Pull the boat to shore. I'm getting out and walk away mad. You know, good thing Peter didn't do that, right? When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Like this isn't just God doing a miracle. This is God doing more than you could ever hope or dream or expect or have ever seen in your life. There is no doubt that Peter and those fishermen have never seen this kind of catch before ever in their life. And they've been fishing all night and there were no bites. And now Jesus just says the word and all the fish come swimming into their nets and their boats are so full that they are beginning to sink. That's the miraculous power of God. When God steps in, those are the kind, this is the kind of thing that happens when we let God into our life. We would be completely foolish to not, wouldn't we? I mean, we'd be crazy. When Simon Peter saw this, boat sinking, lots of fish, he fell at Jesus's knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. That's a good posture to be in, right? For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Look at this. Simon's partners. Some kind of fishing business. <laughs> Peter, Andrew, and his dad. James and John, their dad. I think they got this like fishing thing going on. You know? Like this cool thing going on. And they're employing people. You know, other people work for them. So what great people to call to follow Jesus and people that can impact the people that work with them. What, an, what an, a powerful example this is to you and me. God calls us and he knows that we influence a lot of people under us or around us or that we work with, we play ball with, we do things with. And he wants to use us to impact them. It's very simple. Very simple strategy here. And so there's Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up onto the shore and left everything. And they followed Jesus, right? They followed him. Okay, that's incredible, right? 
And a day of fishing with the apostles, first teaching, then fishing. And it turns out that Jesus knows more about fishing than the pros know about fishing. And Peter, very skeptical, goes ahead and trusts Jesus, that little bit of faith. And that little bit of faith results in this miraculous catch of fish. And so when you can't muster anything else up, muster up enough faith to say, God, I don't understand it, but you know way more than I do, and I'm going to trust you in it. You do that, and great things will happen. And Jesus is like, you guys, now let's enjoy the dinner, but from now on, we're not catching fish. We're going to go catch some men. And this is an example of the the amount of men we're going to catch. Overflowing boats of souls coming into the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what happens through these guys later on in their ministry when Jesus empowers them to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. The apostles, the apostles of God, the apostles of God, when God stepped into their lives, miracles came down. Miracles were surrounded their lives and God used them in the midst of great and wonderful things. And from them, we see what God is capable of doing through people, ordinary people like you and me. Well, listen, next week we're going to finish up on the rest of the apostles. And then we're going to talk about some really interesting things about the apostles. And we're going to talk about some really important takeaways from the lives of the apostles when God stepped in. Have a great week. I'll see you next week. God bless you. Be safe.